Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. Got it with Paul Cronin today, CEO at Adriatic Metals. SX listed polymetallic projects in Bosnia and Serbia. Um, they have put out a few announcements since we spoke in February. Some permits have come through. Expiration uh, continues uh, anon. Um, we talked to them about the fundraising process that they're going to have to go through. So announcement in July-ish, he says. Um, and we talk about sort of the, the level of money that they're going to need and the application thereof. Um, we also talk about the Charitable Foundation. Really interesting conversation in its own right. But if you want our thoughts and opinions on the conversation, the company, you can go and find that at cruxinvestor.com. Mr. Paul Cronin, how are we? Very well, Matthew. How are you? Not too bad. Not too bad. Where are you? Uh, still in Bosnia. Right. Still in Bosnia. Cracking and the loving it. Yeah, yeah. Busy over here at the moment. Good. I wasn't sure what we were going to get. I, I, I kind of uh, been seeing lots of cardboard cutouts of you. I wasn't sure. I'm, I'm not quite sure. I'm still not quite sure. Yours hasn't arrived yet? No. Uh, well, it's on its way. Fantastic. Yeah, no, I, I did a steak and stocks lunch in Sydney. Obviously, I can't go to Sydney because it's, you know, they don't a like penal you. colony again. Oh, right. Well, <laughs> yeah, Australia's become a penal colony again. Um, and so uh, they decided that they'd get a cardboard cutter done. It looks horrendous and is now in my mother's living room. Okay, good. Yeah. yeah. Good. Okay. We've had lots of requests. We just wondered if uh, you'd be able to buy them on your website anytime soon. I think we should. I think, you know, T-shirts, cardboard cutouts, it's all the rage. Um, we could probably cover off a lot of the CapEx. I'd have thought so. Some of the GNA. Mm. Yeah, good. Absolutely. Okay, I just wanted to confirm that. There's a lot of requests. So uh, now we've confirmed that, we should probably talk about your company, I suspect. Um, sure. so, why not? Why don't you kick off? Give, give people need to say one minute overview and I'll, I'll, we'll talk about what's been going on. Oh, look, I mean, we're obviously pretty busy. We've commenced our 2021 exploration program here in, in Barish. We're continuing with the exploration program over at Raska. Uh, both are going very well. Um, uh, we're obviously deep into engineering and uh, DFS on the, on the Barish project. Uh, which is coming along well, and we expect that to be finished in a matter of weeks. Uh, project financing um, and continuing on the rollout of a lot of our ESG programs. So uh, you would have seen today we announced the launch of the Adriatic Foundation. Uh, we've just done uh, a vocational course at the local high school for mining. So it's a four-year program uh, for students. Um, we're doing that with EBRD and, and a couple of other uh, actually, Bosnian businesses have offered to contribute to the cost of that. So that's that's great. Um, and then we're working on our human development rollouts and um, and whatnot, which is which is keeping us all pretty busy, quite frankly. Um, all with the intent that we can, you know, break ground late August um, is looking is looking pretty likely at this stage. I do want to talk about the mining bed. It's, it's what we're here for, after all. It's what we're, you know, shareholders are invested in. Okay, but talk to me about this charitable um, foundation component because you've talked about yeah. this before. Uh, it seems to be getting bigger and bigger, and you seem very, very pleased with yourself about it. What's what's happening there? Look, I am. I mean, when we looked at how does the company get a social license, um, we looked at a number of the issues around 
uh, the community needs, the way in which taxation goes from central government down into municipal government, where that tends to get spent, what are the priorities? Um, and we recognised that there was a, you know, a sort of a hole that needed to be filled. Barish, obviously an old mining town, um, unfortunately has a lot of sort of Yugoslav era environmental liabilities uh, around uh, the municipality. The government's never had the funding to rectify those. Um, the EU has started to look at some of them. Uh, other NGOs are starting to look at them. Um, but we also recognise with old mining towns that had a population of 23,000, 25,000 back in, you know, 1990, now have a population of 6,000. That demographic is skewed toward the elderly. Um, uh, and there isn't a lot of opportunity for the younger generation. So the foundation was set up on the basis that we're going to address three issues. Uh, one was legacy environmental issues. Two was providing better healthcare facilities to that ageing population. And three was create opportunities and education opportunities for some of the young people here. Not necessarily going to mining. I mean, the foundation is not there for the benefit of Adriatic. The foundation is purely there for the benefit of the community. Adriatic has provided an initial amount of funding. I've provided some shares, which I'm hoping causes a, a strong linkage between the company at the parent level and the community. Um, uh, and we've had another a couple of expressions of interest from potential suppliers, people provide services other NGOs that would co-invest with us in projects. So we think this is a critical, um, uh, you know, a critical opportunity uh, for the community to identify its own priorities um, and make investments in those. And the whole thing's been set up. So it's completely watertight. You know, there are applications that come in, funding decisions are made quarterly. The people who make those decisions are really good people from the local community uh, who are really interested in seeing this community sort of re-emerge back to what it was 25, 30 years ago. Um, so I am excited about it. I think it's a great initiative. Um, it's something I've put a lot of work into, I'm very proud of, um, uh, and it's something that I think, you know, we will continue to monitor the success of um, and look potentially, you know, to expand that concept um, in other jurisdictions where we operate, be it Serbia or, or any other jurisdictions in the future, because uh, I think it's been hugely beneficial. I like the idea that the local people make the decisions. So you, you, you said, here's the, it's, it's like kind of like having a parent that said, here's some money, go do what you want with it. But then they sort of frown at you when you come back, having bought something they disapprove of. So you're saying they've got free reign at this, do what they think is right for them. Is that right? Well, that's exactly right. Okay. There's criteria that have got to be followed, but that's exactly right. So what's, what sorts of things are you seeing or what sorts of things are being discussed? Uh, so we've seen uh, requests for uh, basic improvements at some of the local primary schools. There are things that the foundation could potentially look at doing. Uh, we've seen uh, requests uh, from local communities to try and remove some water pollution issues um, uh, in one part of the municipality easily fixed. Um, uh, so there's little things like that. None of these are going to be big expenditure items. They're all going to be relatively small. The idea of loading up the foundation with some initial funding is that it can invest that funding and give itself, you know, an allocation of funding 
every year in perpetuity well past, uh, you know, the completion of mining activities here. We, we want to really see this last forever. Sweet. Okay. Nice. Well, nice. There you go. The ESG bit of this story. Well, do you look at it like that? Because you said, you know, the company's put some money in, but you've also put some share, shares uh, into, into the foundation or made available shares to the, the foundation. What... Do you look at it like as some sort of ESG? We must do this. It's it shows gives us social license, etc. Or has it become a little bit more than that? I, I don't. Um, you know, I I think the company has a responsibility to the community in terms of looking at its operations and how they would impact the community, and we've done that through the ESIA. Uh, I think the company has a responsibility to its shareholders to make sure there's strong financial control, strong corporate governance. Um, we've done that. That is our ESG commitment and we're taking our environmental studies in particular to a level well past what is required by local legislation. Um, That is our ESG commitment. The framework around that in terms of some of the policies we have uh, internally also benefit the community. So here's a really simple example. As part of our human resource packaging for new staff, and we're about to be recruiting, you know, 350 odd, um, we're offering private health insurance. You probably get it at work. Most people get some sort of private health insurance benefit. It doesn't cost very much money. Um, it differentiates us from other employees, particularly in the mining industry here, and hopefully it will help us attract really good people. But in terms of the provision of those services, the mine needs a medical facility in town, right? We will encourage the private health insurance provider to create that facility, which then goes on to benefit the local community through additional healthcare facilities, which I guess in some ways supports the objectives of the foundation. But it's not something the foundation need to be involved in because there's a direct benefit to the company that also provides a direct benefit to the community. And that is ESG in practice. It's just about putting very simple policies in place that, so, you know, where you, how do I describe it? You create a really good alignment of the company's operations and the community's aspirations. Okay, good. Okay, well, I um, just wanted to talk about that. I always think those things are quite important and the way the management team come at stuff like that sometimes, because you know, it's like, you know, the, the, the camera stops rolling and you kind of hear what, what's really going on there. People are doing things because they're obliged to do it. It's going to allow them to do something else, which perhaps is kind of less savory. And, you know, it's a kind of bartering system, but you're, I know we've spoken about off camera and you're really quite proud of, of what you're creating there and, and the legacy as well, aren't you? Absolutely. Good lad. Okay, well, let's let's see what's been going on since uh, February. So, what has been going on? Lots of press releases, but it, it's kind of it, it, you're at that really boring phase, aren't you? Oh, I don't think so. I don't think so at all. <laughs> you're busy, but it's kind of um, for people looking. It's kind of boring. You're you're working up to some sort of financing decision. So, what, what, what have we got to be excited about? Oh, look, on the project development phase, we're obviously finalising our ASA. We're finalising the DFS. We've got all the construction packages out. Quotes are coming through, everything's being collated and checked and meetings are occurring with potential suppliers constantly. Um, uh, that'll all come to a few, you know, fruition in the next several weeks. Um, uh, probably the one thing that has surprised me is the number of, of your normal supplies of major equipment um, that are stuck in places like Australia can't supply you. 
Um, that's been a surprise to me. Um, uh, but, and that's, that's a result of COVID. Um, but in terms of, you know, supplies around Europe uh, and West Asia, no problems. Um, the, so that, that's all coming to a head. Uh, obviously, in conjunction with that, we're working on the project financing. Um, the, the project debt capacity, as I think I've said in the past, is pretty high. Um, uh, so we're working through all of the legal mechanisms there to, uh, to uh, complete due diligence, uh, implement those, those financing packages and provide the appropriate security uh, for the lenders, all the while trying to minimise um, uh, you know, dilution as much as we possibly can. Um, and I think, you know, I'm pretty confident that, you know, sometime in uh, sort of end of July, we'll be, we'll be able to make some announcements around that. Okay. Well, that's where people are excited. We'll have some cause to get excited about because that's, that's a big moment for you guys. Um, and you're going to see this thing through. Me, personally? Yeah. No, I'm going to go and work for the charity. I'll find someone who knows what they're doing. Well, that, that's that's why I was asking those questions. Sounds like you are. <laughs> or open up some uh, look, I, shop. <laughs> I'm, you know, I've got a good team of people um, here who are very, very competent. Mm. Um, that team is growing almost daily. Uh, who are more than capable of building a project like this and running it very, very successfully. Um, for me... You know, I obviously got a, a, a lot of history with the company, uh, having founded it, um, but I'm also very passionate about what it's doing and what it can be, and I see my role as sort of moving on to more, you know, strategy implementation more so than, you know, into the nuts and bolts of permitting documentation and whatnot. Um, so, yeah, I, I think the company's got a very bright future. Um, you know, uh, out, even outside of what we've got here in Barish. But in Barish, you know, even whilst we're working on all this to commence construction in August, uh, we're still exploring. Um, we've just announced that we've got the exploration licence uh, over that new concession area, which we were awarded the concession, uh, I think it was last October, um, and now have been through all of the steps to get a federal exploration licence, which means we can now do ground disturbance. We can we can drill, we can trench, um, etc. We can construct edits. Um, that's a huge area. It's something we've got a lot of targets that we want to get into. But what I said to the exploration team was, you know, I want your spending priorities to be around Rupitsa. Uh, so we have flown uh, some EM uh, surveys. Uh, over the about four or five weeks ago, that data has now had been collated and we've released that. And you can see there, there's some, we don't have to go very far from the main ore body to look for new targets. Um, and we are drilling those targets right now. Okay. The reason I'm asking that is because you have, you founded this thing, you've built it up, 560 million market cap today. Share price has been steadily increasing. It's all good. But you're at that point with Varash, for instance, that you say, you've got a good ops team. They could probably get this thing over the line. They'll ask you to sort of, okay, some of, the, some of the costs around the, 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 the financing, et cetera. But you've also got a record of M&A, Tathian. For, you know, for instance, that was that was nice. That's quite an exciting thing to do. The the tar expiration targeting, or you know, 
the building of a big company is exciting. Um, the admin, not so much. So what, what, what type of CEO are you in terms of you say, I'm a strategy guy? What does that actually mean? What are you doing? I look at the end of the day, we are, we have a, a corporate strategy over the next 10 years that we've discussed at a board level. Uh, where do we want to be? What do we want to look like? What does that commodity mix look like? Um, uh, so there are a number of uh, potential projects that we would like to acquire. But, you know, Matt, if you want to be successful in Europe, you know, you've got to have, Europe is populated everywhere. Little, you know, there's little villages everywhere where people live and those people are well-educated and they're affluent. Um, and to convince them that, you know, building a mine might be 10 k's away from where they live, um, you've got to be top of the game in terms of environmental and social. Absolutely top of the game. Um, and that has really been our focus here is let's, let's do this really, really well. <coughs> People like to call it ESG. I don't call it that. But we've focused on really thorough and detailed environmental analysis, a really good look at the local community, how it works, how it operates, what it needs, what it doesn't need, um, and how we would integrate in both that natural environment and into that community. Um, uh, and and that is what I think is going to differentiate the way we do things here from some of our competitors um, and why I think there's a number of opportunities in Europe that have, you know, come across over the years in little companies that spur up and they do a little bit of exploration and they just peter off into death because they've never been able to really do that well and give governments and communities confidence that the people that are going to be operating that asset will do it well. And I think that's the opportunity that we've got here in Barris is to demonstrate that. Um, if we do that, we will see we will be successful in Serbia. We've already seen the Serbian government clamp down on environmental concerns based on community concerns. This isn't a bad thing, it's a good thing. Um, but what we've got to be able to do is give our local community confidence that we know what we're doing. And, uh, and that's what I think we're doing really well here in Barish. Yeah, okay. I, I like that thought because, again, we've covered companies in, in Spain, France, Germany, Poland, which perhaps have not been able to deliver that, and it's been the death knell for them. So I do see the importance of that, but I'm trying to get at the point is, are you still hungry? Are you looking to grow this thing? Or is it just get Barish into production and then... That's no, a good enough job, looking, job done. We're absolutely looking to grow up, but we also know that we can't bite off more than we can chew. Um, right now, you know, we've got a project that's about to go into construction. That takes a lot of work, a lot of focus. Um, we won't be looking at doing anything until we start to see some cash flow coming out or we have a much greater certainty on quantum and timing of cash flow. Um, because if I've going to execute on a growth strategy uh i want to do that out of out of um you know net profits um you know if there were opportunities that required us to leverage up we'd look at that of course we would but i think there are plenty of opportunities in europe that wouldn't require us to leverage up where i think we can be successful where i think we can also diversify our commodity mix and we're very heavy silver zinc 
We'd love to see more copper. We'd love to see more gold in the portfolio. Okay. Um, brilliant. Can I deal with a little bit of housekeeping? Certainly some questions which have been sent in. So, for instance, Tertian. Is that all done and dusted now? The Tertian shareholders have now been converted over. Um, that's all been cleaned up? Or is it still a little bit of work Look, I understand there was an issue with one um, online broker in particular, uh, who I won't mention, um, uh, that has received the paper share certificates, Adriatic paper share certificates, but has lost them. Um, and what I understand, there are about a dozen shareholders of Tethian uh, that are still waiting for their shares to be credited to their account. Um, we have worked to, to resolve a lot of these issues and we're, we're working through them um, because this broker hasn't, basically, has not looked after their clients. Um, uh, and they can request new share certificates. The broker has to request them. Um, the broker has to sign some indemnities to say that they're not actually holding both of them. Uh, and they have refused to do that. And we will continue pushing um, and I think uh, our IR team have now got a direct dialogue with all of those that are affected by this and we will we will resolve it uh, sooner or later. Okay, okay. Um, so obviously we saw the press release um, this morning with regards to the uh, new concessionary uh, expression permits. Good. Um, you've got cash in the bank. How quickly are you, well, you, and you've talked about expiration drilling ge generically there, but what, what, what is the plan for the rest of this year on, on that front, just new, new drilling of new targets? Yeah, so our initial focus is Rapitza Deeps and Rapitza North. Um, both of those holes are progressing well, um, those initial holes, um, uh, both now at around the sort of 400 metre levels, um, uh, liking what we're seeing there. Um, we need to see, we need to complete those holes and particularly um, BR321 is, has got a target depth of 780 metres, so it takes a little time to drill that. Um, uh, BR2, we would have ended. Um, uh, it has hit its target depth, but we're going to keep drilling that for a little bit longer. Um, so what I need to see is the results of those. Um, uh, in full before I decide that I'm going to bring in more rigs onto areas in the new concession area like Brule, um, Droskovach and others. Um, but they have been prioritised. Um, we do have a fixed expiration budget for the year and we're not going to blow that, not when we've got strong fiscal discipline in a year where we know we're going to be spending a lot of money. Um, uh, so we'll, we'll do what we can. Um, but logically, the pace to start looking is around that around main Rapitza oil body. Geophysics have indicated that there's some uh, there's some areas there that are worthy of drill hole follow up, and that is happening right now. Okay, you've in the past with me. We've had this discussion about using market price for the metals, right? And obviously, the markets. Are... Is there another price? <clears throat> Let's not go there again. We're... <laughs> well, I'm happy. Me, if you want to, if you want to sell me copper at six thousand, mate, I'll buy it all day. The, 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 well, here's the question. The question is, 
as as the metals prices are going up, right? It's it's been a great time for across the board, and you know you're polymetallic. I know you're selling barrages silver because it's it's good, but there's a polymetallic uh, story there. Is if if the markets fall away because it's been a great time, it's been a nice run of it. The markets fall away, then that's going to have an impact on you know how you value your company, and you you and you'll stand up and go, that's absolutely fair and reasonable, won't you? Yeah, yeah it's, it's funny. Some some banks require you hedge and some of them don't. Um, but overwhelmingly, in all of the financial institutions that we spoke to around the project financing, they did not want us to hedge, um, even at you know, reasonably buoyant uh, commodity prices. Um, I think we're seeing you know, a number of market disruptions. Some of them are a legacy from historical underinvestment. Uh, some of them are political, such as Peru. Um, uh, and some of them, you know, will resolve themselves post, you know, post-COVID era. But I don't think for the time being we need to be too concerned about, you know, a crash in commodity prices. Um, I don't have a magic wand. I wish I did. Um, all I can tell you is what is the market price today and what the forward curve looks like. Um, that forward curve, you know, sometimes goes out three months, sometimes it goes out a year. Um, after that, it becomes pretty unreliable. Um, so, you know, I've always taken the view that we should use spot or something near spot that's slightly rounded. Um, and I don't think my view on that has changed. Um, last time I put out the pre-feasibility study, you, you, you did criticise me for that. Um, you were wrong. No, don't think so. Well, don't be wrong um, <laughs> because all of those commodity prices are much higher. Or, or maybe you were suggesting I should have used high prices, but I'm pretty sure at the time you were suggesting I should have used lower ones. Um, but either way, uh, the only price that I can defend uh, is, is market prices, is spot prices, because consensus pricing is put together by an array of different people with different views. Um, some of them are total whack jobs that think gold's going to 30,000 an ounce. So what about this um, barite component to your story? You know, you, have you taken a view of what you think all of your supply will do to the market in terms of the price? Yeah. You know, the, the, the interesting thing in all of the market work that we've been doing on Barrett at the moment is really fundamentally affected by two factors. Uh, one is, you know, your shipping rates at the moment are around five times what they were in December 2019. Barrett's a low margin product. Um, two is the Barrett pricing itself due to the, you know, just complete disintegration of oil and gas exploration uh, is incredibly volatile. And we're seeing quite different pricing around the world. Now, we know that we can sell it nearby. That's good from a shipping perspective, but... Um, those prices aren't as good as what we would we'd, we'd like them to be. We know that we can sell it further afield, um, uh, but you know the shipping costs would probably make it uneconomic. So it, it, there has been a lot of work being done on this. Um, I think from the definitive feasibility perspective, uh, you know, Barrow didn't contribute a great deal economically. Um, it actually increases your unit opex costs. Uh, and so what you'll probably find is on the D, on the DFS will drop Barrett out of it for now. 
um, but we'll still keep the footprint there so that we can bring it in later. Well, it's not really case. It settles down. Yeah, it's, it's, which is great. Which is the discussion that we had when, when, when you when you know with the, with the scoping study that we analysed, which was trying to say you don't necessarily need it to make money. You just don't want it to cost money, right? So you know, it dropping out of DFS is, is not an issue. What you don't want it to be is overburden and then piling it up on the side of the road. It, I think was our point. So we were right. You're saying we're right. I think you you may have been very fortunate in your guess on global shipping prices. <laughs> is that one all? The, we'll go one all. What I what I am intending on doing is temporarily stockpiling uh, waste to reprocess it into barite. Now that may happen on the same day we start the rest of the flotation plant, or it might happen six months later. But I'm pretty certain that global shipping will normalise um, at the beginning of 2022. Um, that view is shared uh, by a number of other groups that we deal with in terms of commodity sales. Um, and But at the moment, um, from a study perspective, is Barrett going to make a positive contribution to margin? Probably not. And it doesn't need to, so that's fine. Um, timing's everything. Timing's everything. Like bad comedy. Um, okay, so with regards to July is the date that we're looking for in terms of you making some sort of announcement in terms of um, how this thing gets financed and then how quickly does it move after that? What's, what's the order of play? Uh, very quickly. So uh, detailed engineering is largely underway. Uh, we still have got to prepare that DFS in a Bosnian format, submit it uh, for review so the or the Bosnian author of that document is already working on it. The stuff comes out of the Zenko. They go and put it into the national format. There's a review company that has already commenced a review of those sections. Uh, and then it ultimately goes to the ministry uh, for, for their review to confirm that everything that we've designed meets the, the, uh, the mining code and the 83 pieces of legislation that, that fall into it. Um, it's largely a legal process. It's largely procedural, um, but it's got to be done. So once that's complete, um, we will basically start construction. We will start uh, the civil works on Rupitsa. Um, we've got about 300,000 tonnes uh, of earth. We've got to move there uh, for the terracing on the surface infrastructure and obviously the commencement of the declines. Uh, there are now three declines um, to the operational ones, purely event. Uh, and that's because we had some geotechnical issues at the location where we wanted to um, uh, we wanted to put the vent rise. So um, nothing nothing that's particularly problematic there. Um, but obviously, you know, with winter conditions and in the mountains, you want to try and get a lot of this done, you know, pronto. Because I don't want to be I don't want to be doing civil works in January. No. Not at all, not at all. Hey, well, look, I'm Paul. Look, thanks for the catch up. Uh, it's interesting to see how you've been moving this thing forward. There, there is a movement. I know it's a joke, it's a bit boring period, but in a way, it kind of is, but it doesn't mean there's a lot, not a lot going on. Um, I guess it'd be great to hear from you in July when you're starting to make some decisions about how this thing moves forward. Um, so stay in touch, okay? Yeah, well, if you're, if you're not on holiday for July, man, I'd happily um, catch up with you. It's just before I take the whole of August off, as you well know. <laughs> I'll be on my boat. Um, in fact, I'm, I'm, I'll be on a boat near you. Really? Uh, really. Oh, great. Literally, you can you can uh, pop over with a bottle of dodgy rosé if you'd like. Yeah, some 
bags of flour and egg. That's all. <laughs> <fun bags. laughs> That's fine. You're you're you're, uh, you're an absolute charmer. Kids, uh, speak to you. We'll see you soon. Thanks, man. Cheers. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.